This is Garrison Hardy with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief for Friday, January 6th, 2022. Happy Friday, everyone. Let's start this news brief off with a little on this day in history. Hey, it's Friday. Why not mix it up a little bit? On this day in history for January 6th. We'll start with 1681. The first recorded boxing match is engineered by Christopher Monk, second Duke of Albemarle, his butler versus his butcher. That sounds like quite a hotly contested affair. Uh, how about a famous wedding? 1759, January 6th, U.S. First President George Washington marries Martha Dandridge Custis at White House Plantation. Again, that was January 6th, 1759. George Washington and his wife are married. 1941, January 6th, U.S. President Franklin Roosevelt makes his four freedom speech, freedom of speech and worship, freedom from want and fear during his U.S. State of the Union address. January 6, 1942, Pan American Airlines becomes the first commercial airline to schedule a flight around the world of the Pacific Clipper. January 6, 1975, Wheel of Fortune debuts on NBC TV. January 6, 1979, The Village People's YMCA becomes their only UK number one single. and its peak, it sold over 150 50,000 copies a day. January 6, 1987, astronomers at University of California see first sight of birth of a galaxy. And finally, January 6, 2021. How'd you know this was going to come up, huh? Supporters of U.S. President Donald Trump storm the Capitol in Washington during congressional certification of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's win. I report, you decide. That's it, folks. That was on This Day in History, brought to you by Classical Conversations. Classical Conversations supports homeschooling parents by cultivating the love of learning through a Christian worldview in fellowship with other families. They provide a classical, Christ-centered curriculum, local like-minded communities across the United States and in several countries, and they train parents who are striving to be great classical educators in the home. For more information and to get connected, please visit their website at classicalconversations.com. Again, that's classicalconversations.com. All right, let's get to the news. Let's start with what's going on in the House, uh, the United States House. Matt Gates vows to continue speaker stalemate until McCarthy concedes or limits power. One of Rep. Kevin McCarthy's most stubborn opponents in his House Speaker bid is vowing not to fold and to continue the current stalemate until the California Republican either agrees to the defector's demands or drops out altogether. Rep. Matt Gates, who has been one of McCarthy's most vocal opponents, pledged not to back down in the House Speaker showdown, intensifying what has already been a days-long fight as the chamber looks to elect its next leader. Quote, I think this ends one of two ways, Gates told Fox News after the House adjourned on Wednesday. Either Kevin bows out, realizing there is no path to become Speaker of the House, even with one or two or three or five of the 20 who have opposed him and half a dozen times on the floor, or he essentially has to wake up, bring the House into session, and put on a straitjacket with a rules package that we've presented to him that doesn't allow a lot of discretion for the Speaker of the House. After failing to make any headway in three rounds of roll call, roll call votes on Wednesday, McCarthy proposed a new bout of concessions to some 
some of his most stubborn opponents in a last-ditch effort to win their support before the chamber reconvenes. As part of his latest concessions, McCarthy agreed to a proposal to add more Freedom Caucus members to the House Rules Committee, as well as further lowering the number of members needed to call for a floor vote to oust a sitting speaker, this according to CNN. The compromise builds on previous concessions in which McCarthy agreed to lower the number of votes needed to oust him from the position possibly should he be elected, making a significant win for far-right conservatives such as Gates. Quote, the reason we've demanded that is we do not trust Kevin McCarthy, and it's not a small body of work, the Florida Republican said. Even if those demands are met, however, Gates has vowed not to back McCarthy's bid. Twenty GOP lawmakers voted against McCarthy to back Rep. Byron Donalds in the latest round of voting, with one Republican voting against Donalds initially voted for McCarthy in the first two roll call votes before backing Rep. Jim Jordan in on the third round Tuesday, conceding that at the end of the day, we've got to get to 218. Gates, in fact, recently put Donald Trump forward. So there's a little look in at the House. But let's move to this. Black couple given plot of land in reparations sells it back to L.A. for $20 million. The heirs to Bruce Beach, the prime beachfront property in California's Manhattan Beach, have sold the land back to the county for $20 million after receiving it just over a year ago in an act of restorative justice. The direct descendants of the black couple who were run off of their land and business got a form of reparations according to L.A. County. In 1912, Charles and Willa Bruce, a black couple, bought the plot of land for $1,225 and opened up a black beach club, reported the Los Angeles Times. These clubs were common in Southern California during that period when segregation kept black people out of whites-only beaches. Facing mounting pressure from racist individuals and groups, including the KKK, city officials condemned the property to eminent domain in 1924, claiming that they needed it to build a park. According to the Los Angeles County website, no park was actually built until nearly 30 years later, and the real reason for seizing the land was racially motivated. Quote, it is well documented that the real reason behind the eminent domain process was racially motivated with the intention of bringing an end to the successful black business and to thwart other African Americans from settling in or developing businesses in Manhattan Beach, the government site reads. The county ended up forcing the black couple off of their land, paying them only $14,000 when the plot was actually valued at $70,000 according to the Daily Mail. The Bruces left the beach and closed their business. According to their family, they never financially recovered. In July of 2022, L.A. County returned the land to direct descendants Marcus and Derek Bruce, as well as Derek's sons, Anthony and Michael. Quote, it destroyed their chance at the American dream. I wish they could see what has happened today, Anthony said when the land was finally returned. On Tuesday, it was announced that the Bruces had opted to cash out on the land instead. The chair of the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors, Janice Hahn, stated that the selling of the land will help build generational wealth that the family lost out on after their great-grandparents' business was destroyed. This fight has always been about what is best for the Bruce family, and they feel what is best for them is selling this property back to the county for nearly $20 million and finally rebuilding the generational wealth they were denied for nearly a century, she said. This is what reparations look like, and it is a model that I hope government across the country will follow, the county official added. Moving on, non-binary founder of Indigenous Artists Collective accused of faking Native American heritage. Huh. 
The co-owner of a queer indigenous artist collective in Wisconsin reportedly faked her Native American background and used the front to make money, the New York Post reported. Kay LeClaire, a woman who identifies as non-binary, was accused in an online forum of being white. <laughs> After claiming for years that she was of Metis Oneida Ashinabi, Cuban and German descent, LeClaire is a founding member of an art collective and is well known in the indigenous arts community in Madison, Wisconsin. LeClaire went by the indigenous name. Ooh. Yeah, I'm not going to try to pronounce that, but it's got a lot of letters in it, folks. Reportedly, LeClaire earned artist stipends, a paid residency at the University of Wisconsin, paid speaking gigs, and art exhibitions based on her Native American background. But a hobbyist, genealogist, who did not reveal their identity, posted evidence of LeClaire's real ancestry on an online forum. It showed that LeClaire is of German, Swedish, and French-Canadian descent. I'm sorry, LeClaire reportedly told local outlet Madison 365. A lot of information has come to my attention since late December. I am still processing it all and do not know yet how to respond adequately. What I can do now is offer change, end quote. The Art Collective said in an Instagram post that it had parted ways with LeClaire on December 31st, 2022. The anonymous user who published LeClaire's ancestry online went by the screen name Advanced Smite. They spoke with Madison 365 and revealed that they are Native American heritage. Town Hall reported that several high-profile activists have been caught pretending to have Native American ancestry, including Senator Elizabeth Warren, Canadian academic Carrie Barassa, and actress Sasheen Littlefeather, whose sisters came forward late last year after her death to reveal that she was actually of Mexican descent. Well, there you go. Not so long ago, folks, the American dream was alive and well. Employees who worked hard were rewarded, and employers looked for people who could do the job, not for people who had the right political views or identified as the correct background, I suppose. Red Balloon work dot work is a job site designed to get us back to what made American businesses successful. Free speech, hard work, and having fun. If you're a free, a free speech employer who wants to hire employees who focus on their work and not identity politics, then post a job on Red Balloon. If you're an employee who is being censored at work or is being forced to comply with the current zeitgeist, post your resume on Red Balloon and look for a new job. Red Balloon dot work, the job site where free speech is still alive. That's www.redballoon.org. Now, as we head into the weekend, why don't we talk about some... Uh, you thought I was going to say sports, didn't you? Ah, let's go entertainment this time. Heading to the movies, right? Indiana Jones, I love that theme song, and the Dial of Destiny reportedly pacing far behind Transformers, Rise of the Beasts, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 in audience interest. Hey, I gotta say, the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, that actually looked like a pretty good trailer. That's just me. A report from Puck's Matthew Baloney claims Baloney, 
let's go with that, claims that Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny significantly underperformed compared to Transformers, Rise of the Beasts, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 after the three films released trailers during Brazil Comic-Con back at the beginning of December. According to the studio, source Bellani reports that Transformers, Rise of the Beasts, racked up over 506 million views in two weeks across YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 drew in 187 million views while Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny they only brought in 79 million views. Uh-oh. Taking a peek at the YouTube numbers as of today, the Indiana Jones and the Dial of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny trailer only has 10 million views on the Lucasfilm YouTube channel. Transformers Rise of the Beast has 26.3 million views on the official Paramount Pictures YouTube channel. While Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 isn't trailing Transformers Rise of the Beast as much as Bellani reported after two weeks, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is still significantly off pace compared to Transformers. In fact, both films have more than doubled up on trailer views compared to Indiana Jones and The Dial of Destiny. Indiana Jones movie is not only trailing these films when it comes to trailer views, as noted by both Bellani's inside source as well as spot-checking YouTube, but Bellani also claims the film is already at a disadvantage because Steven Spielberg is not directing the film, and Harrison Ford, he's about 80 years old and is supposedly the leading man in a film franchise known for its action-adventure heroics. The film's motion has also been plagued by director James Mang- James Mangold's antagonistic behavior to concern fans about what he and Lucasfilm have planned for the film. Lucasfilm has a track record of destroying their male-led characters or male-led franchises rather. One needs only look back at the desecration of Han Solo in The Force Awakens that turned his character into a deadbeat dad who then gets murdered by his own son. This anti-male theme would be doubled down on in Rain Johnson the last jedi that shows luke skywalker as a man who has abandoned everything he believed in and even tosses his lightsaber away like a piece of garbage this theme is not isolated to the sequel trilogies the mandalorian turns what was pitched as a ruthless bounty hunter living in the outer reaches of the galaxy into a glorified babysitter for a childlike yoda character that is apparently not a child at all the book of boba fett also turned the famed bounty hunter into an incompetent town manager no, don't get me wrong, I see what where the author is going, but hey, The Mandalorian was pretty good. That's just me. Given this track record, fans have a healthy skepticism of what Lucasfilm and Mangold will do to the franchise and have especially had their hackles up following the casting of self-proclaimed feminist Phoebe Waller-Bridge. In response to one fan concern, Mangold decided to attack him, then proceeded to lie about the attacks on the fan. Matthew Kadish shared his concerns, writing on Twitter, To anyone thinking Indiana Jones 5 might be good, just let me point out that number one, Steven Spielberg is not directing. Number two, Kathleen Kennedy is producing. Three, Harrison Ford is 78 years old. Four, it's written by Jonathan Kasdan, who wrote Solo. That's pretty fair mangold responded writing thanks matt keep making the world a better place by crapping on things on the first week of production from your basement number two never seen a script by john nothing against him just reality butterworths and i started from a blank page three one through three are hugely talented and all at my side Clearly, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny does not appear to be connecting to people via trailer views. And on top of that, its antagonistic director, who not only confirmed fan fears about Lucasfilm's production, are legitimate, but he's openly degrading them for expressing such concerns. 
Folks, that's going to do it for this cross-politic daily news brief. If you like the show, go ahead and hit that share button for me down below. If you want to sign up for a club membership or want to sign up for a magazine subscription, you know what to do. Head over to fightlaughfeast.com. And as always, if you want to send me a news story, you want to ask about our future conference, this year we're going to be at the Ark Encounter, or if you want to ask about corporate sponsorship, head on over to my email, garrison at fightlaughfeast.com. You can reach me directly there. That's going to do it, folks. For Cross-Politic News, I'm Garrison Hardy. Thanks for listening. Have a great day, and have a great weekend. Lord bless.